Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Gen Z Investor. Uh, today's episode will focus on diversification in your investing portfolios, what it is, why it's important, and much easier to do in today's age. And now having multiple investing accounts is very beneficial. There are several different methods that you can use to suit your needs best. However, on this episode, I will be focusing more so on aggressive strategies for younger generations or just for those who are looking for larger returns. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is the diversification basics. Uh, many have probably heard financial advisors talk about diversification or maybe Warren Buffett or some other more famous investors. Uh, talk about diversification and the importance of it. But let's just get clear first on what diversification really is. So the definition is the process of allocating capital in a way that reduces the exposure to any one particular asset or risk. So basically what this means is you're not putting all of your capital, which is your money, uh, into any one particular stock, ETF, or any you know investment vehicle. You are spreading it out over different stocks, different ETFs, different investment vehicles. Therefore, you do not you do not have uh, singular risk. Now, in investing, this is extremely important, uh, especially for those who do not have the time to get you know, develop a specific strategy for investing and just more so rely on uh, diversifying their portfolios. So first we're going to talk about uh, the single company risk exposure and why diversifying um, is very important, especially for if you're investing in singular stocks. And the reasoning for this is that, you know, every stock has earnings four times per year and those earnings can do very well, but they can also do very bad, which can cause very massive swings in that stock price and can create a lot of volatility in your investment portfolio. Also, any news that comes out about that company or business failure, there could be something going on in the company, they run out of, out of money, they go under, they go bankrupt, that is definitely uh, a possibility. It is not super likely, but it's definitely still a possibility. And having that, you know, single company risk is, uh, it, it's, it can be very, very dangerous. Uh, moving on to sector risk exposure. So there is 11 sectors um, in the market that is divided, that all stocks are divided into. Some argue it's 10, but for this purposes, I'm going to say 11. Uh, typically, they perform differently in certain market environments. So right now, we're in more so of a bear market. So typically, not every time, but typically, defensive utilities and healthcare sectors tend to perform best, while in bull markets, uh, they tend to favor technology and consumer stocks. And the only difference between consumer and defensive is consumer stocks are more so retail defensive. Uh, they're also retail, but they're more uh, just defensive in nature. They're more value stocks compared to growth stocks. 
So I want to talk about this Warren Buffett quote, uh, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but what he says is why diversification is only required for those who do not know what they're doing. And I 100% agree with that. And it's not meant to slam people who do not know as much about investing in any way. All he is saying here is that really if you don't have the time uh, and you just don't really want to focus on learning <clears throat> a lot about the markets, then you are best off being more diversified. On the opposite side of that, if you have the time to invest into learning about the markets and developing your own strategy, well, you do not need to diversify as much. Now moving on into ETFs and the advantage that ETFs can play in anyone's investing portfolio. So today diversification is much simpler than it ever has been before. Ever since the rise of a lot of ETFs, which are electronically traded funds, in the 1990s uh, is really when they started to take off. And today there are hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of different ETFs that you can choose from that track uh, a basket of stocks and therefore are reducing the company risk, the single company risk, as I mentioned before. And there are tons of different ETFs. Uh, they can vary from different sectors, different industry groups, international stocks, uh, certain stocks in certain countries. They have so many different ETFs and they're making more every single day. One of the most popular ETFs is the SPY ETF, which tracks the top 500 companies in the United States. Another example is the XLE ETF, and that tracks the top energy companies in the United States. And these are tradable and they're very, very easy to use. There are also other options when it comes to ETFs. There is leveraged ETFs, which will track another ETF, but they'll move two or three times as much per day. For example, take the SPY ETF, which tracks the top 500 companies. There are leveraged ETFs with ticker symbols SSO and the SPXL. Uh, the SSO is a two times leveraged SPY ETF and the SPXL is a three times leveraged SPY ETF. So what this is saying here is really the SPY tracks the average of the top 500 companies and say the average for that day the SPY moves up 1%. Well the SSO, which is a two times leveraged, will move up about 2%. They're not perfectly exact and it's rebalanced daily. They rebalance daily. So if you know a stock drops or if the SPY drops 10% over a month, the SSO isn't going to drop exactly 20% because it, it readjusts on the day. And then the SBXL, which are three times leverage ETF, going back to this example, will go up 3% or around 3% on a day, the SPY will go up 1%. And this can be a fantastic tool, especially if you are more aggressive or if the markets are in a steep decline like they have been this year in 2022. Uh, this can be a very, very effective tool to use uh, when, when the markets are down so much. 
However, they are much more risk as as you know, the name implies, three times leverage ETFs. If the market drops 10%, these ETFs are probably going to drop around 30%. So that is something you also need to be very careful and aware of. The next thing that I wanted to talk about are having different investment accounts. So we talked about diversifying in stocks and sectors and how important that is. However, I feel that you should also diversify your accounts on how aggressive and conservative you want to be. So for me, for example, I have one account that's more aggressive with leveraged ETFs. And then I have another account where I trade more safer stocks. I trade more value stocks, bonds, and just things that are much less volatile. Uh, even for aggressive investors such as myself, it is a good idea to have a lower risk account that you know invests in those bonds and those value stocks. And that doesn't mean that you need to invest a lot of money there. Uh, it just means that maybe you don't have 100% of your investing capital in an aggressive account. You could maybe do it, you know, 70% aggressive, 30% lower volatility. You could have and do an 80-20. You could even do a 90-10. Um, it kind of depends on your personal risk profile, what you are comfortable with, and where you're at in your life stage. Uh, those can all make big, big differences. Now, I wanted to touch on as well quickly on the difference between value stocks and, and growth stocks. So when I say investing in bonds and value stocks, the value stocks are companies that are not in the growth stage anymore and typically, not always, but typically focus on paying dividends to their shareholders. Uh, what this means is that their leftover <coughs> capital that they make for the quarter they distribute some of that out to their shareholders in the form of a dividend. And for those of you that do not know, a dividend is typically paid out once per quarter. So, for example, if the dividend of a current stock uh, was $1 and you have 100 shares, you would get paid $100 for owning those 100 shares quarterly, every quarter, which would be $400 a year. Now, I'm not a huge advocate of the whole dividend strategy, dividend investing strategy, uh, and trying to get a lot of returns based on dividends because a lot of those stocks that are paying higher dividends, maybe you're paying a dollar, two dollars uh, per share, those stocks are in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars for one share. So really, for you to make any sort of money with dividends, typically you have to put in a lot of money. When I say a lot, I mean hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. It's not a horrible strategy, uh, especially if you have a lot of money or you are also confident that that stock's price will continue to rise and then you get the dividends on top of it. But that's just my kind of opinion on it. Uh, but yeah, value stocks are the companies that are kind of, you know, they're kind of plateaued as far as growth goes. I mean, they're still growing, but 
uh, for, you know, you want a company to constantly be growing, but they're not in the stage where, like the growth stage, where they take the extra capital that they profit and they reinvest that back into their business. They instead more so focus on paying the dividend to their shareholders. And like I said, depending on your, your risk tolerance, where you are in your life, uh, and your portfolio goals, uh, you may choose to diversify differently with your accounts. Uh, again, like I said, if you have $10,000, you could put just 6000 towards aggressive. You could do almost all of it, 9000 towards aggressive uh, investment accounts. Now, the last thing that I really wanted to talk about uh, was the domestic and international stocks. So some people like to or have thought about investing in stocks internationally. So that could be, you know, any stock that is based in a different country or operates in, uh, primarily operates in a different country. Now, with domestic stocks, many people are familiar with what they are, you know, Apple, Google, Intel, companies like that. Like everyone knows, for the most people, most part, people know what those stocks are and that they're American companies. Now, when it comes to international stocks, it does take a bit more understanding and learning of that country's economy. If you are going to want to invest in primarily or a lot of your portfolio in international stocks, you will want to uh, get up to date uh, on what is going on in that country, like the interest rates, the economic events, political events, everything like that. Um, that is very important for that country's market. And for the U.S. market, we have been growing over the last 100 plus years. You look at the stock market, the SPY ETF or SPY index, over the last 100 years and it's consistently uptrended. For other countries, that is not necessarily the case. So in the U.S., you may feel that stocks just always continue to go up. The market just always goes up. For a lot of other countries, that is not the case. So you do need to do a lot more work in understanding that country's economy, understanding how that country operates, and really keep in touch on what's going on over there. Also, I would say you need to see if you can even purchase the international stock on the U.S. exchanges or if you would need a specialized broker or a broker from that country uh, which can produce you know more headaches more problems in try with trying to invest in those other companies not saying it's impossible to do but it does raise some other issues with investing in international stocks typically the much easier way is to either just stick to US stocks or there are a lot of international companies that are listed on the U.S. exchange. And even for the U.S. stocks, a lot of those companies operate globally. They operate internationally. Look at Apple. Look at Google. Look at all these big U.S. companies that have a wide, wide impact on the whole world. The whole world uses them. So just because it's a U.S.-based company doesn't mean it does not have international exposure. And then for the international stocks that are listed on the U.S. Stock Exchange, like, for example, Alibaba, which is B-A-B-A, -A, ticker symbol, it, that's a Chinese company, and you can buy that on the U.S. Stock Exchange. And there are plenty of other companies 
like Alibaba, where you can buy them on the U.S. stock exchange through a U.S. brokerage that is just as easy as buying a U.S. company. Now, to wrap this episode up, I just wanted to talk about how diversification is a lot of personal preference and learning. And if you don't want to learn or you don't have the time, I really recommend just having an investment advisor or having someone else manage the money for you. But if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you do want to learn. There are plenty of sites that can help you learn the different strategies, investment uh, terminology, and other things such as Investopedia and Bloomberg. And I would say experience is really the biggest thing. Practicing makes, makes perfect and learning from your past mistakes is huge. And remember, the more you learn, the less you really need to diversify. Now, one caveat I have before I end the episode is to start small and make your mistakes early when it doesn't matter quite as much. Losing $100 is a lot easier than losing $10,000. So with that, thank you all for listening, and I'll be back next week for another episode of The Gen Z Investor. Goodbye, everyone.